Welcome to Bandcamp. My name is Dan. And I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why they are banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Spoilers are inevitable as we are going to read the book out loud in its entirety, chapter by chapter. So if you want to get up to speed without being spoiled, head on over to Bandcamp Season 4, Episode 1, and you can get caught up that way. Feel free to join the discussion with us on Instagram. You can follow us at Bandcamp underscore podcast. Before Jennifer starts reading, let's bring in the third member of our team, the robot. He is our trusty sidekick, and he is going to get us up to speed uh, from where we left off last time. Robot. Previously on Bandcamp. Huck and Jim faced a whirlwind of trouble with the Duke and the King's schemes reaching a boiling point. The town's confusion peaked with the arrival of the real Wilkes brothers, leading to a wild plan to dig up a grave for answers. Just as the tensions hit a climax, Huck and Jim made a daring escape on their raft, only to find the King and the Duke hot on their trail. Wondering what happens next? You're about to find out. Oh, and one more thing. You wanted me to beam a transmission of Phil from the Mandarian Orange podcast onto this episode because he is the one you blame for harnessing you with this godforsaken book to read this season. You also blame his suggestion for making Jennifer look the fool who can barely read a sentence. Shall I connect him now? Wait a minute. So you are telling me you actually got Phil on the show? Bring him in. Where's Phil? Hey, guys. Look at this guy, another major <laughs> leading stud. <laughs> I don't know why I say that all the time. <laughs> Phil is a reason we are reading this book. Yep. Now, Jen, you and Phil, you guys fight. It's all my fault. Uh, it was mainly the gym, the gym reading yeah. that just, it's the stuff of nightmares for. But you've been doing so good. I have enjoyed the season <laughs> so much hearing you because it's such a good way to wrestle with literature to like you struggle through it you say it out loud you hear how it sounds and you figure it out and when i hear you guys like oh this must be what they're saying it's very satisfying it's it's been a really good journey you guys are doing great with this book i'm so excited oh thank you we're trying our hardest here <laughs> so you've read the book obviously a billion times more than once in a billion right. yeah <laughs> and you said it was one of your favorites which kind of made us that's what got our interest in it it's, so why is I, this i love it why is this one of your favorites? Well, I mean, Mark Twain in general, I think, is a great writer. But this one in particular, it's important for a number of reasons. One, historically, um, you got to figure this was written like just a couple of years after the very first sound recordings ever happened. So keeping a record of what dialect sounds like was something that was really rare, right? So all of his writings where he's talking, where Jim talks and, and Huck talks, and it's really hard to get through he painstakingly recreated what that dialect sounded like. So historically, it's great. Second of all, it is an incredible satire against the people who were racist at the time. I mean, you guys, it's been so fun seeing your journey because at the beginning, you're like, oh, this is bad. Huck is a bad guy. He's mean to the enslaved people and blah, blah, blah. But as you go along, and I don't want to spoil how the book ends, but so far, you've gotten to the point where you're seeing Huck starting to like, the wheels are turning. He realizes more and more things. His conscience is awakening within him. Would you say, Jen and I, or you can split us up too, <laughs> would we have a second grade education level or a third grade? No, if you're listening, no, no. how smart would you assume we no, are? Oh, no. You're definitely college educated, at least. I'm you sure, know, because it it's, this is tough material. It is tough. And it didn't occur to me that this was written for kids. I always assumed it was just a book. No, apps, because I could give you guys tons of reading assignments. I wish you'd had a chance to read <laughs> Tom Sawyer first, because this is a direct sequel. Picks up at the end of Tom Sawyer, 
a lot of the struggles you had with knowing who people were at the beginning of the book, that would have explained a lot. That one is much more fun and fancy free. There's less social commentary, although there is some in there because at the time it was just after, you know, yeah. Civil War. And so he drew them in with this great fun adventure. And meanwhile, he's teaching them a lesson all along that, hey, these are real people. Who's the smartest people in this story? It's not the white people running around. It's Jim. He's the one that's. I think it's Pap. Oh, Jim. (laughs) So I I just I love the way that he gets this amazing message in because it's a good story. So this probably would have been labeled critical race theory (laughs) by DeSantis. Absolutely. Yes. Very good. So anyway, indoctrinating the kids. Got it. (laughs) Getting them with the books. All right. Are you guys all ready then? Excited. (laughs) With that being said, let's begin chapter 30 of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. When they got aboard, the king went for me and shook me by the collar and says, Trying to give us the slip, was he? You pup, tired of your company, hey? I says, No, your majesty, we weren't. Please don't, your majesty. Oh my God, is he like scared? Scared of the king. This is like really sad because of his history. Well, why did he say, please don't? As a Maybe he's going to smack him. The way I took it. But yeah. anyways, quick then and tell us what was your idea or I'll shake the insides out of you. Honest, I'll tell you everything just as it happened, your majesty. The man that had a hold of me was very good to me and kept saying he had a boy about as big as me that died last year. And he was sorry to see a boy in such a dangerous fix. And when they was all took up by surprise by finding the gold and made a rush for the coffin, he lets go of me and whispers, heal it now or they'll hang you sure. And I lit out. It didn't seem no good for me to stay. I couldn't do nothing. And I didn't want to be hung if I could get away. So I never stopped running till I found the canoe. And when I got here, I told Jim to hurry or they'd catch me and hang me yet and said I was afeard you and the Duke wasn't alive now. And I was awful sorry. And so was Jim, and was awful glad when we see you coming. You may ask Jim if I didn't. See, here's what I like about Huck. I like that he is so good at lying on the spot. Yeah. And and to think, was it the last chapter somebody said, like, you're a terrible liar? Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about it. It's like, dude, this kid has got the lying down. He lied better than your little brain could handle it. Quick on his feet. He probably yeah. has to be. I wonder if it's like a self-preservation technique that he had to learn along the way of his oh. his life. I don't know. Because he doesn't seem like a bad person. He doesn't seem like he's lying for the heck of it. Seems like a skill he picked up. Well, he was very much raised yeah. in neglect. I mean, you saw a glimpse of that with Pappy at with the beginning. Pappy. But we learn in Tom Sawyer that like his his parents fought constantly until his mom died under maybe mysterious circumstances. And he basically oh, just lived know. in the streets. He slept in pig pens and whatever his whole childhood. So he had no moral upbringing other than just what was around him. So yeah, he's going to lie if that helps him survive. Totally. Well, it comes in handy for him for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Jim said it was so, and the king told him to shut up and said, oh yes, it's mighty likely, and shook me up again and said he reckoned he'd drowned me. But the duke says, let go the boy, you old idiot. Would you have done any different? Did you inquire around for him when you got loose? I don't remember it. Wow, bold stuff coming from the duke. (laughs) So the king let go of me and begun to cuss that town and everybody in it. For if it hadn't been for that, they'd have jailed us till them Englishmen's baggage come. And then the penitentiary, you bet. But that trick took him to the graveyard and the gold done us a still bigger kindness. 
For if the excited fools hadn't let go all holts and made that rush to get a look, we'd have slept in our cravats tonight. Cravats warranted to wear, too, longer than we'd need them. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's just my feeling about it. They was still a minute thinking. Then the king says, kind of absent-minded like, remember Dan with MF? <laughs> He's not <laughs> saying MF. MF. He's saying <laughs> M-F. I love Very it. Very upset. <laughs> and we reckon the N-word stole it. That made me squirm. Yes, says the Duke, kind or slow and deliberate and sarcastic. We did. After about a half a minute, the king draws out, leastways, I did. The Duke says the same way. On the contrary, I did. The king kind of ruffles up and says, looky here, Bilgewater. What are you referring to? The Duke says, pretty brisk. When it comes to that, Maybe you'll let me ask what was you referring to? Check, says the king, very sarcastic. But I don't know. Maybe you was asleep and didn't know what you was about. The duke bristles up now and says, Oh, let up on this cussed nonsense. Do you take me for a blame fool? Don't you reckon I know who hid that money in the coffin? Yes, sir. I know you do now because you done it yourself. Oh, they're blaming each other. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Love it. It's a lie. And the Duke went for him. The king sings out, take your hands off. Let go my throat. I take it all back. The Duke says, well, you just own up first that you did hide the money there, intending to give me the slip one of these days and come back and dig it up and have it all to yourself. Oh, wouldn't it be great if they took each other out? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they kill each other. Right? That'd be fun. It would be fun. Wait just a minute, Duke. Answer me this one question, honest and fair. If you didn't put the money there, say it, and I'll believe you, and take back everything I said. You old scoundrel, I didn't, and you know I didn't. There, now. Well, then, I believe you, but answer me only just this one more. Now, don't get mad. Didn't you have it in your mind to hook the money and hide it? The Duke never said nothing for a little bit, then says, Well, I don't care if I did. I didn't do it. Anyway, but you not only had it in mind to do it, but you done it. Oh, here they go again. Okay. <laughs> I wished I never die if I'd done it, Duke. And that's honest. I won't say I weren't going to do it because I was. But you, I mean somebody, got in ahead of me. It's a lie. You done it and you got to say you done it. Or the king began to gurgle and then he gasps out. Enough. I own up. Oh, he's saying he did do it? What a dummy. Why would he do that? <laughs> Phil knows, but he's not telling us. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> oh. See, this is what I'm worried about. You know what's happening. And this, I, I secretly think you are judging us no. and you are thinking, oh my God, they don't even get this part. Oh, I promise you, I, no. I, I, it's, you're going along for the ride. It's exactly the way he wrote it. You're supposed to be, what's this? It's a twist. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. You're right where you're supposed to be. I promise. I was very glad to hear him say that. It made me feel much more easier than what I was feeling before. So the Duke took his hands off and says, If you ever deny it again, I'll drown you. It's well for you to sit there and blubber like a baby. It's fitting for you, after the way you've acted. I never see such an old ostrich for wanting to gobble everything. And I trust in you all the time, like you was my own father. Boy, that's a statement. I mean, pap and all that. It's like, are all the dads abusive? <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> you ought to been ashamed of yourself to stand by and hear it settled on to a lot of poor N-words. And you never say a word for him. 
It makes me feel ridiculous to think I was soft enough to believe that rubbish. Cuss you, I can see now why you was so anxious to make up the deficit. You wanted to get what money I'd got out of the nonsuch, and one thing or another, and scoop it all. Oh, I like that. Devious, mm. diabolical. The king says, timid, and still a snuffling. Why, Duke, it was you that said make up the deficit. It weren't me. Dry up, I don't want to hear no more out of you, says the duke. And now you see what you got by it. They've got all their own money back, and all of ourn, but a shekel or two besides. Galong to bed, and don't you deficit me no more deficits, long as you live. <laughs> so the king sneaked into the wigwam. Wigwam, Dan? Wigwam. Don't, don't look right. at me like that. It, okay. Wigwam. So it, here's the thing. I believe it's a wigwam. Phil, you believe That's you how think? I've always heard it pronounced, yeah. And right. the uh, so, granddaddy of our podcast, Michael Lee and Black, who's reading um, American Tragedy, Wigwam is in that book, and he says Wigwam too. So I trust him above all else. Yeah, a lot of your intellectuals. I know. That's right. Right. Say Wigwam. But here's what I don't understand. This got me so mad. I went to AI uh -huh. and I typed in Wigwam and I wanted to see how it said it, and it said Wigwam. That's because it's so spelled I don't know. that I mean, way. But see, like, that's artificial intelligence. Actual intelligence. Says <laughs> oh, <wigwam. man. laughs> True. Okay. All right, well, good. Wigwam it is. Very good. So the king sneaked into the wigwam and took to his bottle for comfort. And before long, the duke tackled his bottle. And so in about half an hour, they was as thick as thieves again. And the tighter they got, the lovinger they got and went off snoring in each other's arms. They both got powerful mellow, but I noticed the king didn't get mellow enough to forget to remember to not deny about hiding the money bag again. That made me feel easy and satisfied. Of course, when they got to soaring, we had a long gavel, and I told Jim everything. End of chapter. Dan, nothing happened in this chapter again much. I keep expecting something huge to happen. <laughs> Dude, you got Mark Twain. You, you got how many chapters? 45 chapters. Like that. It should have been a 12-chapter book. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Economy of the word is not uh, his friend. Well, no. He was definitely known for being wordy. But that was, you know, a, a, a virtue at the time, so... <laughs> Mm. So are we led to believe now? So they're, we don't even know what's happening. Are they on the raft right now? And they're all on the raft sleeping? with the two yeah. wigwams, right? Yeah. So just to clarify too, that part where the king owns up, he's not really yeah. admitting. The guys, other guys like strangling him. It says that the king began to gurgle and then he gasped out. The guy's like, you did it. You did it. And finally he's like, okay, I own up. He's like calling out uncle because the guy's got his arm behind his back, you know? Oh. But they both know they were thinking uh -huh. about stealing it. So rather than try to figure it out, they're just like, okay, fine. Let it go. So nothing happened in this chat. Well, a little bit happened there with Huck and Jim again. Yeah. You, you saw the king's wrath. I mean, he got really angry and almost violent. Because I look with like each home other. free now. Mm -hmm. He got away with it. Right. Because the king right, admitted he's it. He's got to get in the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I don't want any big spoilers. Phil. Okay. Does this hairball come back? What is going on with this hairball? Why would Jim have this magic orb of power and he leaves it behind or did he bring it in his bindle? I honestly don't remember it coming back, although it's possible there's a minor mention of it that I don't have the book memorized or anything, uh, but I don't think it's a major plot point uh, going forward that I remember anyway. So this doesn't end like a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing. Don't look at it. And then the... The Duke's face melts off him, 
That would be pretty Not neat. to the best I'd of my like memory, no. <laughs> what, if, what if that's how it ends? You're like, stupid Phil. How could he forget this? I haven't read it for a few years, to be fair. Maybe I twisted it around in there. That would be the modern Hollywood version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they'd right. give it that yeah. treatment. Should we go into PPP? Yeah. Yeah, let's go into PPP. It's time for PPP. Problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Let's give our honored guest... The first take. Ooh. Well, this first on this chapter and then up to this. Yeah, point. yes, absolutely. Well, this chapter, I mean, like you said, aside from a little violence and there are a couple of N-word uses, you know, which has, as you guys have mentioned, you know, it's kind of every chapter. There's nothing else specific in this chapter. Um, I think, and I think you guys have nailed it you know, outside of like the, even at the time, people were not pleased with some of the language, you know, obviously, but the larger issue that, probably has gotten it banned is the fact that it's it is anti-racism and it is anti the mentality that was in the south at the time and i think people had a lot of issue with that and still do crazily enough to this day you know but i do think you know it's difficult that the n-word is there in this book a lot and i think you guys handle it well i wouldn't expect you to read it out loud over and over again or anything like that but i do think that it was an important inclusion in the book from both a historical standpoint and also for a sense of realism, again, getting these kids involved because it would be like the equivalent of if someone wrote a book today about the plight of migrants coming into the United States, let's say, and they're shoved on a bus and a kid, you know, jumps on and he goes on an adventure with them. The way that the people would talk to those migrants right now would be similar, different language, different words, but similarly offensive. And if you were going to write an authentic story about that, including that type of language, would make it feel real to someone reading it now. If everyone's nice to them as they're being bussed up to New York, that's not going to feel like a real story, right? So I think because it was authentic and real, it made the story land better than if it was everyone being nice to them. Historically, I think it makes sense. Mark Twain knew how ugly the word was back then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a word that he thought was a normal word. He actually thought it was an ugly word. Right. But realistically, that's how those people talked. Yeah. And and you see how ugly it is and the people that talk to them so dismissively are yeah they're the dumb people in the story it's the you know? same and, thing i mean even you know 75 years later when to kill a mockingbird was written same thing mm-hmm. like yep. she actually had a very similar thing where scout also a story told through the eyes of a child scout learns about the word and how ugly it is you know yeah it's kind of a very similar situation yeah still prevalent issue going mm-hmm. on you know sadly i don't mm-hmm. think a book should be banned but it is probably valuable to make sure that the book is given proper context you know i wouldn't put this say in a first grade classroom and have a kid read it mm-hmm. without any kind of context right so totally. there's a big difference between banning something and making sure that it's given its appropriate context to a, a, a reading audience that is at right emotional level or maturity level to read it. do you remember how old you were when you read this book the first time that's the crazy thing like i was definitely pretty young I mean, it would have been somewhere in late elementary school. I definitely read Tom Sawyer first, but, you know, I love Tom Sawyer, so I wanted to read Huckleberry Finn. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember feeling a particular way about the words in there. I probably, at the time, didn't really understand what the words were, honestly. Did did you understand it, do you think, when you first read it, the context? I think I understood the adventure part. Like, I loved the part of, you know, they're going down and there's all these crooks and there's you know, getting out of scrapes and stuff. I don't think I understood the the social 
commentary aspect of it at the time, you know. You brought up To Kill a Mockingbird. I think if I would have read that book or seen the movie or whatever when I was a little kid, I would also be hooked into the adventure, Mm -hmm. the the Boo Radley, the stuff. And then when the courtroom stuff started, it'd be like, yeah. (laughs) Get on with it. Skip these (laughs) chapters. Totally. I wonder if Harper Lee was inspired by this book in particular, like making a moral Hmm. statement through the eyes of a child, you know, like hooking in the young ones, getting them on the progressive because we can't stay in that horrible past. We just can't, you know? Well, yeah, but we can't, we can't seem to get out of it though. Well, that's the struggle is real, Dan. Like we got to keep, you know, we're struggling against it all the time. These books are important still. Because it's important to see how it's still, how long it's been a part of our history, you know. And that's why certain people want them banned. And those same people might not agree that the Civil War was started because of slavery, you know. Like, right, right. It's a states' rights issue. That's the kind of conversation <laughs> we're still having. And it's right? just so unbelievable. Exactly. I'd like to, just as a small revenge on my part, Phil, would you read a little bit of Jim out loud to us? <laughs> What, any particular? Here we go. Chapter nine. Oh, boy. Chapter nine. There's a whole gym. Well, if you wouldn't have been here, if it didn't have been been for Jim, you'd have been down da in the woods without (laughs) anything, Jim, in chapter nine. Go for it. I want to hear. Okay, I'm going to have the old man take the glasses off to do a good job here. All right, well, Phil's getting ready. Jennifer, do you remember this clip? Fredo the dog. But when I see dat house, I begin to slow. I is off too fur to hear what they say to you. I was Fredo the dogs. (laughs) 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 Sorry. It's so weird to read out loud. I was Fredo the dogs. But I'm not making fun of Jim's... I really like this, but I like it for Jim. I don't like it for Jen. I truly love it. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. All right. I got it. I see the part. <laughs> all right. This is not, I mean, I'm not a professional reader out louder like you, Jen. So we'll do my best here. Well, you wouldn't have been here if it hadn't have been for Jim. You'd have been down there in the woods without any dinner and getting most drowned too. That you would, honey. Chickens knows where it's going to rain. And so do birds, child. There you go. Jen, you're really bad at this. One take. I think we need to have it very good. <laughs> it's, there's a lot, though. I mean, there, it, there's a uh, lot of challenging yeah. words. That one just happened to flow. But, you know, it's tough. You didn't even give me a passage with an N-word I had to dance around. So that you gave me an easy one, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, I wish I would have looked a little harder. Well, I think how Jen does it, though, like you try to read it phonetically. And do you, Jen, I think we talked about this. You're not understanding it. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Sometimes it's just syllable by syllable. <laughs> yeah. But then it sounds right to my ears when I'm listening okay, to you. Okay, so. great. Okay, yeah. that's all I need really? to know. Uh, right on. Oh, my goodness. All right, we also want to talk about your podcast because here's the thing with podcasts. There's a lot of crappy podcasts true. out there. Everybody knows this. Your podcast, it sounds weird calling it a podcast, and I don't want you to be offended by it, but it is like we were there, and it is literally like every episode I listen to, I feel like when friends of the family would come over, and like when you're a kid, and you're kind of like sitting back like, I like this. This is nice. I get all this. This is fun. That's how I always feel when I listen. And when we when we came there, like yeah. we were on for like I think an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. That went fast. What were we on? 
and we neither of us wanted to leave. That's awesome. Like, how did you come up with with the name? Because it, it, it is not the Mandalorian. It's not the Mandalorian. It's not Mandarin. It's the Mandarian Orange Show. The Mandarian. Yes. And the reason um, why why Mandarian? Well, so like you said, we just we just love to have conversation. My wife Janelle is my co-host, and I think that we are fun to talk with. And I thought that if we shared it with other people, that you know maybe they'd enjoy having a conversation with us. So. Janelle has a very unique way of speaking. If Mark Twain was around today, he would probably try to write her phonetic <laughs> speaking because she makes up words every day. Like <laughs> I, I tell people that I speak Janelle, like I'm not a, a, a native speaker. It's a second language for me, but I can translate <laughs> it pretty well. And she'll just say something. And I just, I know what she means, even though she's just making up new words. So when we were first married, we've been married for almost 21 years now. We uh, went to the grocery store and this is, yeah, I was still getting used to her pattern of speech, you know, and she was going to buy some Mandarin oranges at the grocery store. But she said, oh, I got to go over and get some Mandarin oranges. I said, <laughs> what? You mean Mandarin oranges? She said, no, Mandarin oranges. And I said, They're, it's pronounced Mandarin. And she's like, I don't care. That's how I say it now. And I'm like, no. And we actually got in an argument. I'm like, you can't just change how the words are. And she says, I can and I will. And to this day, she calls them Mandarin oranges. <laughs> And that's not the only time something like that has happened. She has a whole, I could write a dictionary of Janelle's mispronunciation. So when it came time to name a podcast with her, I was like, Mandarin Orange, easy. And that's how we got Mandarin Orange Show. She, she's going to die on yeah. that hill. She owns it. She, I, don't, I didn't say it wrong. I said it the way I wanted to. So I love it's it. different from like wow. a certain world leader that happens to make up mistake <laughs> words and then act like they didn't mean to because she just owns it she's like i said it that way and i want to and i'm going to say it that way from now on she doesn't try to pretend it wasn't a mistake you know i see so. i know words i have the best mm -hmm. words but there's no better words than stupid that's right i think we can all agree with that right? <laughs> that's correct <laughs> so well i'm so glad that you have enjoyed listening to it and that that's my hope is that it's just kind of a fun thing to have a conversation with us and it's not like I mean, you guys do important work here. Ours is more just fun, but hopefully we can at least help to shed uh, some light on some people doing important stuff. So definitely your listeners should listen to our episode with the uh, band camp. I think it was, gosh, was it November, October? I can't even remember now. Yeah, I just had it up here. It was October 19th, 2023, episode 240. Oh, we had so much fun. I'm really happy that you read this with us tonight. Yeah, it's thank you so much for having me. It was great. I, I know I brought this upon you, but I think you guys do are doing an amazing job and I'm excited to hear we've got like 10 chapters left or 15, something like that. It's coming up fast. Yeah, I, I guesstimate we only have five or six more chapters before something happens and they get out of this town. Am I right? Will you at least tell us that? Wow. They will move on. I can tell you that much. They won't stay there forever. All right. Well, listen, we're holding you to it, buddy. Thanks a lot for being here. And make sure everyone, make sure you go and check out this show. Yes, everybody go check out the Mandarian Orange. All right. Well, we've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, Scary Book People. You can find us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast, where you can connect with fellow Scary Book People, join in the polls and discussions, and you can vent about the evils of book banning. And we really do hope you join our community. We'd love to see you there and engage with you. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Dan Schultz and me, Jennifer Davis. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. See you next time. See you guys later. See ya, Phil. <laughs>